All right, I, I hate to stop this, but you're going to be looking at your watch a little later, okay? So let me, let me help you now, all right? So find your way back to your seat. We thank God for the rain this morning, and we uh, had a text from Elaine saying that she didn't think she could get to her car with her umbrella and her uh, walking stick, and she just wasn't sure it'd be pretty, so she decided to stay home, but she's praying for us now, I know. So as we continue in this series called Make Room, I want to ask you, what comes to mind when you hear the word rest? I heard a chuckle over here. <laughs> I know for some it's, it's an unusual word that maybe you haven't experienced much lately. But uh, does rest for you mean to sleep late? Uh, I know I have often said to KK, you know, this is so cool tonight that I'm going to go to bed and not set my alarm. You know, that's kind of a, that's a, that's a good night for me when I can just go to sleep and know I can just wake up whenever I want to. And usually because of the routine, I'll still get up early. But anyway, uh, rest, what does it mean for you? Is it a vacation? I asked KK about, you know, what would she think? And she said, I would think about that cabin up in the mountains with the rain and us sitting on the porch and, you know, the, the refreshing release from being a part of the daily routine. No agenda. Maybe it's Sunday afternoon for you that uh, you can take a nap. And that's always, we told our kids when they got too big for a nap, they still had to go to the room and be quiet because it, it was a routine in our house that we were going to find a way to rest. The dictionary says that to rest is to cease from work or movement in order to relax, refresh oneself, or recover strength. To be supported as to stay specifically in a chair, like putting your arm on the, the arm of the chair to rest. It's an instance or a period of relaxing, ceasing to engage in strenuous activity. But usually, whenever you talk about rest, you put it in the context of work. And you put it antithetically to, to work because you're trying to say, that's not what I'm doing. I'm over here and I'm resting. So as we talk about making room, we, we could just spend the whole day on making room in your schedule for you to rest. I really believe that uh, God intended for us to understand his created order. And in his created order, the scripture says that he worked for six days and on the seventh day he rested. And that he set aside the seventh day for rest and told his people to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And I would encourage you, if you think that you can go at the same pace seven days a week and never take a break, then you're really putting yourself saying that you can be better than God's design. And someday it will catch you. Because you need to build the margins in your life. Now, this message on rest is not about that. But I just want to make sure you know that God created your body. And even though I'm not pushing you to this Sabbath law, I am asking you to find rest in your routine to honor God. But what about your heart? What does it mean to rest in your soul? In the book of Matthew, chapter 11, I want to show you this morning a couple of verses that probably you have heard before, but I want you to see two different ways that Jesus refers to rest. 
And he's been talking to the so-called wise and the learned religious people and saying that what he was presenting was not just for them, but it was for the simple who would come with childlike faith. And then I want you to notice what he says. Let's put it up here on the screen, and we could even read it aloud together. So look at, if you would, at Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. I think we've got it coming. Here we go. Let's just read this together. Read it out loud. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and you will learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Two different times Jesus refers to rest. And I want us to look at these two different approaches to understand what it means that he's going to give us rest and what it means that we're going to find rest. So why don't you invite him right now to be your teacher? Would you pray with me? Lord, we open your word with great reverence. We take it for what it is, the very word of God. We know you've given it to us, not only for us to be able to sit before you in a quiet place, but to gather as your children around, as it were, the table to be fed by you from your word. So speak to us now. Teach us in the depth of our being where only you can go, Holy Spirit, and speak to our hearts in a very personal way. That is why we pray this simple prayer, Lord God, speak to my heart. Would you pray that out loud with me? Lord God, speak to my heart. And Lord, when you speak, we'll know that it's you. So we listen now for your voice, even as I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. For Lord, you are my rock. You are my strength. You are my redeemer. So we look to you together in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at what Jesus says. He says, come to me. His invitation is personal, but his invitation is to a person. He says to us in this invitation, I'm inviting you to find rest in the depth of your being. I want you to know that, notice the action he takes and then the action that we take. It's like a parent who would say, come to mommy, come to daddy. Jesus says, come to me. I want you to notice the action on both parts. He says, you respond and come to me. Throughout scripture, we find as a two-sided coin, repentance and belief. We find turning from and turning to. There is no true faith in our life without us turning from ourselves. And there's no true trusting in our life without us turning from our own goodness. So Jesus says, you come to me. It's an invitation to all. Some have tried to talk about the, the mystery of the work of grace and election and how God knowing who's going to be saved and God working to save certain ones to himself. I find nowhere in the gospel that there's a limitation on who we should invite to Jesus we find here a complete, inclusive invitation. Come to me all, but notice who he invites. All who are weary and burdened. In his invitation, he invites those who have worked 
and have found themselves tired. And those that have found themselves tired and found themselves under the load. This morning, that describes some of you. There's just no other way to say it except, I'm tired. And that could be from the demands of your work, the demands of your children. It could be from the demands of your friendships, the demands of your relationships. Maybe even in the struggle of relationships that seem to be broken and can't be healed. But no matter how you would describe it, you would simply say, I'm just tired. Notice what Jesus says in his invitation. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say, come to me and after you take a bath. Come to me after you clean yourself up. Come to me after you make yourself better. You see, it's the voice of pride that says to me, let me get better first and then I will go to Jesus. It just doesn't work that way. It's the voice of the deceiver, the voice of the evil one who says, get your act together and then you can know God. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you're weary, if you're worn out, if you're tired, if you're broken down, if you're under the heaviness and the weight of condemnation of your personal fears and your personal failures, then hear what Jesus says. Come to me. He speaks this right in the face of the religious leaders who were trying to put such a heavy load on the people. And he steps between them and religion and says, this is about a relationship. I'm inviting you to come to me. For every one of you today, I trust that there has been or that this day will be the time when you heard the invitation from Jesus saying, I want you. And you go, but Lord, why would you want me? I mean, have you looked at me lately? Uh, did, can, can I just get better and then maybe you would want me? He says, nope, because you'll never really get better. Because compared to me, you'll always be sinful and needy. But I want you. Boy, those are really special words. Sometimes KK and I play for little ways to say I love you because, you know, it just kind of sounds like three words you say often. So we, we, we work hard to try to make it fresh and keep it going. And sometimes lately she's been saying, I love you. And I go, wow, that's just so good. It's just a good thing to be loved. Well, I love you back, but I mean, I, I love you. And it's so good to know your love. Can I just ask you to sit there for just a moment? And bask in the invitation of Jesus who says, I want you. Come to me. Even if you've worked and it hadn't worked, even if you failed and you can't fix it, even when you're under the load and you don't know what to do, come to me. And notice Jesus establishes a promise with his invitation. Come to me and I will give you rest. True rest is not something that you achieve. 
True rest is something that you receive from the Lord himself. When he says, I made you, I've designed you, I want you, and since you've recognized that you need me, just turn to me, come to me, and I will give you rest. Now, it seems interesting that here is such a clear response to a gift and then it's about to become another kind of response for something that we learn and find. So make sure you get the right sequence or you'll never really understand the difference in the application. It always starts with us, me, you responding to an invitation of Jesus. Turn to me. I remember some old gospel songs of he's as close as the mention of his name, Jesus. Have you learned in your spiritual walk of the times when you just need to stop and turn to Jesus? Everything's frazzled. You can't fix it. You're disappointed. It's not working. Come to me, Jesus says, and I will give rest to your soul. What kind of rest? Rest in trusting that he's God and we're not and he can handle it and we can't. Trust that he knows circumstances. He can fix circumstances whenever he wants to. So much we can't change and we can't fix. And he says, come to me and I will give you rest. But then he keeps going in his invitation. Now he says, since you've turned to me, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And you will find rest for your souls. Now, Jesus described this to his disciples when he said, I want you to learn to walk in rest. I want you to learn to live in rest. I want you to learn to function from a position of rest. And how do you do that? He says, take my yoke. Now, I've got a feeling right now that most of you don't have a clue what a yoke is. I mean, really, you, you really don't get yoke. I remember one time we, we were in evangelism training <clears throat> and I, I took uh, a guy that was trying to learn how to share his faith and we were out in a public setting and we'd, we'd stop by a laundromat because I've learned that, you know, when people are washing their clothes, they're just sitting around, you know. And, and so we stopped by this laundromat and I said, see those two big dudes over there sitting on the car? Why don't you go over there and, and share Christ with them? So... He walked over, and I just kind of walked behind him. And he started explaining the gospel. And, and in this particular presentation of the gospel, there was a, an illustration that was used to show how no matter how good we are, sin always messes us up. And here's how the illustration went. It, it, the illustration is, let's say you've got a big family, and you take a dozen eggs, and you start cracking the eggs, and you're cracking all the eggs, and finally you come to one bad egg, and you crack it, and it goes in there, and you look, and you say, 
well, it's going to be 11 good eggs, so I'll just stir it up and make it work, right? Of course not. Because that one bad egg would destroy all 11 others. We get that. But why do we think we can look at God and say, well, God, I've got a lot of good stuff, just a little bad stuff. I mean, because we've sinned compared to God, we need a Savior. And so that illustration is trying to show big sin, little sin, we all need a Savior. So this guy was trying to share his faith, but he was looking these two guys in the eye, and he was trying to figure out how to use this illustration. Now, one thing I haven't told you is this guy was from Hispanic background. And I noticed as these two big dudes were looking at him, they were having a little trouble catching everything about his accent. So he started to give this illustration. He said, now, let's say you had these eggs. I mean, these are really big eggs. He said, these are double joke eggs. Now, for those of you that know anything about Spanish, you know, the, the J and the Y sometimes don't quite go together. And he said, and they looked at him, and he said, no yolk, man. These are double joke eggs. I promise that's exactly what he said. So this morning, when I think of yolk, I have to think of no yolk, double joke. But anyway, forget that illustration and follow this illustration, all right? So here's Jesus giving an illustration that they understood. They totally understood this. He said, take my yoke. This morning, you have a clue what a, a yoke is. You think, but that's spelled differently than your egg yolk, all right? It's not a yolk, it's a yolk, all right? Let me show you a picture. I think it's going to work. Here's a picture of a yolk. I've actually have one of these in our garage. It's really eaten up and, and bugs had gotten into it. and It's kind of dirty, and I went out there this morning, and I thought real seriously about not bringing it. Then I thought real seriously about not getting on that 10-foot ladder and trying to get this thing down from a place we had it hung. So the picture's going to have to do, all right? Now, do you know what happens in this yoke? Two animals' heads are put between those little circles and then finding a way to attach it, and then you attach the plow or the wagon to go with it, and the two animals walk together pulling the load. Jesus looked at them, and he said, I know you've been broken. Life has been heavy. And I want to get, give you rest. But tomorrow, when it comes time for you to work again, let me tell you how you go back to work. You take my yoke upon you. Get hooked up with me. Decide you're going to serve me. Paul, when he was writing and he talked about service, he said, make no mistake about it. When you serve, you serve sin or you serve God, it's impossible for you to serve nothing. You're going to serve one or the other. You're going to serve self and sin or you're going to serve God. You have to make a choice. And as you submit yourself to God, to walk with him and to serve him, Jesus says, here's how you do it with rest. You take my yoke upon you and you learn 
from me. Actually, it's not just from me. That's what this NIV translation says. I chose it because I wanted the first two words of the last verse. Some translations say, learn of me. I think you might do well for him just to say, learn me. Just learn me. Jesus isn't talking about us learning these great religious ideas. He's talking about us learning the person of the unique, only begotten Son of God. And who is he and what is he like? He is humble. He is gentle. That doesn't mean he never had energy. It doesn't mean he was never bold. But he was never mean. He was never put down in order to make himself better. There's an attitude of the character of God. You, you say, well, that's not my demeanor. That's not my typical personality. Well, I'm talking about your disposition. <laughs> what are you positioned to see and know and do? Jesus said, learn of me because I am humble and I am gentle and when you know me and walk with me and follow me and learn what I'm like, you will find yourselves in rest. So watch the difference. Come to me, burdened and weighted down. I will give you rest. Then he says, take my yoke and learn me and you will find rest for your soul. I thought, Jesus is talking about a different way to work. He's talking about letting him work in us when we work. And it reminded me of Ephesians 2 and the contrast of what it says about work. Do you remember what Ephesians 2 says? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself is a gift of God, not as a result of your works, lest any man should boast. That's come to me, and I'll give you rest. But the next verse says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared for us to walk in, yoked up to Jesus. So do you get the picture? So... Let's try to apply this today. Application number one, though I'm not numbering it that way, and no, they're not going to be on the screen, so if you want to, you better get ready and write it down or listen to the podcast, all right? <laughs> Application number one, you do need to take a break every week in a cycle of God-ordained rest. You know, it's so hard on pastors because so often Sunday seems like such a work day of getting here early and staying late. And most pastors have to find another time every week they just carve out as this is going to be a time I'm going to physically and emotionally rest. You need rest. What about your soul? I'm going to give you four quick applications. Number one recognize weight and weariness 
and learn how to run to Jesus. There's a guy named Chris Rice. He wrote a song and it was entitled The Untitled Hymn. That was the title. In the first verse he says, Weak and wounded sinner. And then he describes and then he puts it out there. Run to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and live. I want to challenge you to learn how to stop and find rest for your weary soul. Application number two. Ask God to build an awareness in you that learns to ask critical questions. Let me give you a few. Why does that bother me? Anybody in here ever get bothered by something? Why does that bother me? Good chance if you turn to Jesus and ask, he will explain something that you're trying to prove or control, which I want to add those questions. What am I trying to prove? Lord, what am I trying to control? What am I trying to overcome? What am I trying to overcompensate for? And in those moments of emotional frazzle, as you turn to Jesus, maybe find a way, if you can, step aside and say, Lord, why? And you know, I found him to be such a gentle shepherd and teacher who delights in showing his children ways that we try to do things without him so that he can show us who he is and how he can satisfy the deepest longing of our souls. Application number three, daily, hourly, and in crisis time, find a way to steady your heart and turn to Jesus. KK has a lot of books by Elizabeth Elliot. I've told her someday I'm going to read them, but I, right now I'm just trusting there for women and I'm not supposed to read it. But she leaves them laying around and there's one that she left laying around for almost a year. And I, at one point, accused her of just trying to haunt me with the book. It was entitled, Keep a Quiet Heart. Just the title wore me out. Keep a quiet heart. Come to me and I will give you rest, Jesus said. Last application, take his yoke. Submit to Christ. Put your head in there beside his. Some have said that that picture in the yoke was supposed to be us putting our head in right beside Jesus and walking with him. Some have said, no, that he, he built the yoke, but we're supposed to learn how to have a yoke fellow in the body of Christ. Hey, I'll go with both images. They both are good for us. Because God never intended for us to live this Christian life alone. Did you know that? It's not a spectator sport. It's not a consumer thing that we do. It's not just what we get out of service. It's how do we learn to walk with God and who's going to help us walk with God 
Take my yoke, Jesus said. Submit to him, hook your life to him, ask him to live his life through you, walk with him, learn what he's like. He's gentle, he's humble, and let him satisfy the deepest longing of your soul. So why don't we just put the text to practice right now? Would you bow your heads? You said, Lord, would you be my teacher? Did he speak to you through these words of Christ? Did he challenge you to learn how to turn to Jesus? Have you ever given your life to Christ? Have you ever turned from your goodness to trust totally in him? If you have, it wasn't simply a one-time event. It was to become a lifestyle of trusting where you say, Lord, I need you. If you've learned to find rest in your soul from him, then I challenge you to learn to walk with him. To let him empower you and enlighten you and direct you in service. Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Lord, we thank you for using your word. Would you teach us how to make room in our busy lives and in our busy heart to rest? In Jesus' name. We're going to stand and sing a song of worship. It may be that you need to come and kneel and just by kneeling before him, declare that you're turning to him and you're trusting him. If you need somebody to pray with you, I'll be standing here at the front. So why don't we stand?